Hey there, what's up everyone? It's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome back to episode number 244. Now, if you've ever made the mistake of getting into an argument on social media or a forum somewhere on a topic of self-defense, you quickly realize that everyone has an opinion about what is or isn't effective on the street, and everyone thinks that they are right. Unfortunately, much of the tactical advice you'll find out there is based on outdated theories and fantasy response scenarios that work better in Hollywood than they do in actual street attacks. Now, the bottom line is that if you're truly going to be able to protect yourself and those you love, either armed or unarmed, your self-protection plan must be based on facts. Facts about the way criminals really target you. Facts about their methods to ambush you. And more importantly, what tactics will defeat them in real-life scenarios based on the research and data of these actual attacks. So what does the research tell us about violent crime? How do you make the critical decision whether to resist an attacker or comply with his demands? And what really works when you have no choice but to fight? Well, that's what this week's episode is all about. But first, don't forget to pick up this week's free show notes, including a handy-dandy cheat sheet covering all the main points today that you're going to want to reference back to time and time and again. All you need to do is go on over to www.mcsmagazine.com 244 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And today's episode actually um, it was actually supposed to be an interview with an author um, of an article that I saw out there. And unfortunately, we couldn't work things out with the author to get him on here and, and talk about this stuff. But I thought his findings and, and the, the tips that he brought up were important enough that I wanted to go into his article anyway and give you some of my own thoughts as well as some of the research and data that he's pulled out related to these attacks. Now, I'll go ahead and leave a link for the um, for the article that I'm referencing in the notes on the uh, the page on our blog for this. But the person that we're talk I was going to be talking to is Greg Elifritz, and he's the uh, he's the owner of ActiveResponseTraining.com. He's uh, been a police officer for over 20 years. But what I like about uh, his his work and his tactical training is that he really does base it upon like the facts. Like he is one of those trainers out there that doesn't just regurgitate stuff that was brought up by some other tactical trainer. Um, he's actually out there looking at the data and then letting you make your decisions based upon that. And the whole purpose of this article that he wrote was really w about whether or not you should comply or resist an attacker when you are approached or when you are confronted, when you are actually attacked. Um, and in, in that confrontation part, whether it's a robbery or whether it's a, a suspected rape or something like that. And that's really what this article was about. But I think there's a lot more data in here that we can pull out and really draw some more conclusions to help you with your personal protection plan. Okay, so definitely go over and check out his article. I'd like to hear your own thoughts about the stuff that we're going to cover in the podcast, as well as other things that you might read about in that article there. So go check it out. Okay. All right. So let me go ahead and go through some of these numbers here. Really in the article, it was really meant to answer some of the questions that that come up a lot of times in in my own tactical training, when we're teaching people, and I've heard this in other classes that I've taken myself and with other authors that are out there and other, other trainers that are out there. And, and he really set out to answer quite a few questions. Like, number one, will an attacker actually be armed? And again, this is in relation to whether or not 
um, you should comply with an attacker when they are actually like robbing you, right? So number one question is, will an attacker actually be armed? Uh, the other thing is, are, are armed attackers, um, are they well armed? Are they properly armed? Are they dangerously armed? Or are they just, you know, they have a weapon there? And we're going to dig into some of those numbers as well. But then even if they are armed, will they actually use that weapon to hurt you is another question. And then if they do use the weapon to hurt you, what is your ability to survive that attack? In other words, what is your is the attack going to be fatal? Right. And so these are some of the questions that are brought out here, because if you can answer these, then that might help you answer the, well, should I comply with this person? Like, what are my chances of survivability? What are the chances of being attacked? Or if I resist, you know, what's going to happen from that point there? Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig in the numbers and then give you some of my own feedback as well as the author's insights that he gave here. So let's go ahead and tackle this first one. Will an attacker actually be armed when they come up to you, maybe to rob you or if they're going to rape you? Okay. So what the numbers from the research actually found, and some of these numbers conflict a little bit with other numbers that I've found, but, um, but Greg has done a really, I mean, look, he's done a lot of in-depth uh, analysis here. So uh, I'm going to use 99% of his numbers here. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So will an attacker be armed? And what he what Greg found in his research was that 26 of the offenders out there were armed with some type of a weapon when they approached somebody to confront them. OK, so 26 percent of them were armed with some type of weapon. Now, 10 percent of those people, 10 percent of the criminals that are out there um, used a firearm of some kind. All right. Um, when they were rapists, there were 8 percent were armed in some way. OK, so. The conclusion to this is that the majority of violent criminals aren't going to be armed. Okay, so most of the people that come up to you and if they ask you for your money or if, if you're a woman and they go to, they, they say, uh, you know, get in the car, take off all your clothes or, or whatever, it's the majority of these violent criminals are not going to be armed with some type of a weapon at all. And if they are armed, about 10% of them are going to be armed with a weapon, I mean, sorry, with a firearm, and the rest are gonna be armed with either a knife or a club or some other weapon that's gonna be out there, okay? So the conclusion of that was, well, most of the time, you're not gonna be facing somebody who's armed. In other words, about three quarters of the time, that person that is approaching you or attacking you, unless you, if you, if well, this just doesn't matter whether they're showing it to you or not, but about 75% of the time, those people are not going to have a weapon on them. Okay. So there's the, there's the question of will an attacker actually be armed now for those who are armed, how armed are they? Okay. If they do have a, a firearm, for example, which is the, you know, the thing that you're most likely going to not necessarily going to be the biggest threat for you as we talk about some of the numbers here, but that's the, what we, we typically think of as somebody being armed with a gun. However, when those attackers did have a gun, what the research has, has shown is that they're often carrying cheap, unreliable, poorly maintained firearms. They're not spending a lot of money out there to have a really good handgun that's going to be dependable. All right. Uh, most of the time, if a criminal does, if they're able to steal a handgun, that is a a high-end handgun, they're going to sell that off because the purpose that, that they were, that why they were robbing a house or a person anyway, I mean, typically they're not going to like take a high-end handgun off of somebody that they attacked unless they knock them out, you're carrying concealed and they take it, right? But let's say that it was more of like a, a home invasion or a, a, a burglary, a break-in of a house. So if they do find a, a really good weapon out there that's, that's worth a lot of money, well, their whole purpose was to get money. It wasn't to find a high-end gun. 
So they are going to go typically going to sell that off to be able to buy whatever they were trying looking for money for to begin with, whether that's drugs or whatever. Okay, and then they're going to they're going to have another they're going to buy a cheaper weapon that they're going to keep themselves, but they're not going to maintain it very well. It's not like they're really gun guys. They have it for the purpose of a job, but they don't take care of their equipment very much. In fact, a lot of times what you'll find is, in fact, 30% of the robberies in Greg's analysis were conducted with unloaded guns. Okay, that's, you know, a third, about a third of the time there weren't even any bullets in the guns. And about 10 to 15% of the robberies were conducted with guns that weren't even really guns. They were either toys or they were airsoft guns or something like that. And again, thir and, and even, even deeper into that, 13% of the firearms that were confiscated after a, um, after a crime weren't even functional. And this was from Greg's own department that he was talking about the numbers that they've looked at with when they've, they've responded to a, uh, a violent crime. When they recovered those firearms, 13% of them weren't even functional. So the conclusion of armed are, are armed criminals really as armed as you might think they are? Well, there's a good chance statistically that an attacker won't be able to shoot you before you take them down because they're either not carrying a real gun or it doesn't have any bullets in it or it's non-functional, okay? So even those that do have a firearm, chances are that, well, there's a good chance that you, you, won't, you, you will be able to fight back or resist them before they're able to actually hurt you with that firearm, okay? But hold that thought because there's a lot more of these details that are coming right up. But first, I want you to check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as one, the three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight, two, the cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper, three, what coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't, four, and the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now, now. at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, everyone, welcome back. This is Jeff Anderson again. We're talking about data-driven defense tactics, really. So this is all about what do the research numbers tell us about violent crime and how can you use those numbers for your own personal protection program, okay? All right, so we've already covered two questions here of will an attacker actually be armed? And if they are armed, how armed are they? How effective is the weapon that they, are, that they have with them? But even those that do have a weapon, Will they actually use that weapon to be able to hurt you? Again, one of the things that uh, what Greg's uh, article that we're trying to uh, we're trying to really analyze here um, is really trying to decide is should you comply or should you resist? Okay. So the question here is will tr will criminals actually try to hurt you with the weapon that they have? And what Greg's analysis found was that only about 4.6 percent of victims attacked by a firearm-wielding attacker were actually shot with that weapon. So less than 5% of somebody even staring down the barrel of a gun were actually shot in the attack, okay? Now, violent criminals are more likely to use that firearm to pistol whip you 
or if they have a club or if they have a knife, they're far, far, far more likely to use that weapon to be able to uh, use against you versus a gun. And the reason for that oftentimes really is because criminals, number one, don't want to get caught, right? That's their first thing is they want a robbery, but they don't want to be caught and thrown in the jail for that robbery. And they know that if they if they use that firearm, that lets everybody around them know that there's a crime happening there. So they want to be silent as possible. They don't want to pull that trigger, which is why they might instead use it to be able to strike you with it instead of actually shooting you with it. Now, the other part of that is that um, and actually in using the firearm, they know that they have a, a higher chance of going to jail if they are caught. When they do go to jail, they're going to be put into prison, uh, whether it's perceived or whether it's, it's fact, with how they're actually um, uh, sentenced if they're, if they're caught and tried and found guilty. But if they actually do use that weapon, it increases the level of the crime that they're actually doing. So that puts them away for even further. <laughs> I mean, go, go with that logic, right? Um, so anyway, if attackers had a club, they were 36% more likely to use it. And knives were used about 12.7% of the time. Now, this is compared to less than 5% of somebody being shot with a firearm, okay? Now, again, I think that's often very uh, often used also because a club is kind of a safe weapon, right? If they use that weapon, they know that they're ne not necessarily going to kill the person. Same thing with a knife. It's not, as, it's not seen as being as deadly as a handgun so criminals are and, and it is silent also so criminals are more likely if they are attacking you with a knife or holding you up with a knife they're more likely to use that almost 13 percent of the time okay now um 40 percent of the felons that did use their weapon to fire at their victim um, only used it to scare their victim now this is according to one study that's out there these are felons that were actually tried and and, and found guilty and and it's it's a poll that they took and what they found was that 40 percent of them really just wanted to scare their victims when they shot the gun all right um, there's a problem with that though because if they were shooting off to the side of you we all know just from our own selves going to the live fire range that even under the best conditions, you trying to get a bullseye from a distance, let's say you're running away from an attacker. Um, if you're at any sort of a distance, the chances of that bullet hitting that bullseye is not very good, okay? And that's under ideal conditions. Now you throw in the stress of a real attack, you throw in the adrenaline there, you throw in everything that that, um, that goes in this, not to mention that are, are these attackers really well-trained for marksmanship, if you will, with a weapon. Um, so if they're if they're trying to shoot off to the side of you to not hit you, well, chances are that you actually can get hit with that, right? So it's not really a comforting number for me that 40% of them just wanted to scare their victims. Now, 30% of felons in that same study said that they did shoot to injure or kill their victims, okay? So the conclusion of this question here about whether um, if they are actually going to try to hurt you is that criminals are much more likely to use clubs and knives if they're attacking you instead of a firearm. So if they do have a firearm, chances are likely that they're not going to use it. However, if they have some other weapon, you can. You, there's a higher risk there that if you do resist that they are going to be attacked with it, okay? So now let's assume that you are attacked with it. Will you actually survive that attack? And the numbers here are actually pretty good in our favor, okay? Criminal hit rates with a firearm are only between three and 30%. Now. That's kind of a wide range there. And you would look at that as not being a very good number, right? I mean, less than a third of the time, if they actually use their firearm, uh, they're not actually going to hit you with it. Well, those those numbers are really in line with the same thing that we find 
out there with our, with response numbers. So most of the time, people are even in close quarters range. We're talking about um, they are not going to hit their victim. I mean, we we talk about all, all the time the LAPD, some of the best trained police officers uh, in the nation, the most well trained ones. In real studies of when they actually had to use their weapon within that extreme close quarters range, they still only hit their target about 28% of the time. Now that's the that's a highly trained police officer in an area that is that that they have a lot of experience or and they're at the high threat level there. So that's the best case scenario. So that's not looking good for any of us. Criminals have the same thing. It's not, you know, within that, within that, even within that close quarters range, they're not going to likely hit their target. Now, 92% of the victims that were hospitalized by firearms injuries leave the hospital. Okay, so this is a number that um, I actually differentiate a little bit from Greg. So I think his was only about like, um, his was like 98 point, uh, or, or like 90, I would what it was, but it was like, um, it was less than this, like 3.4%, I think. But other studies that I found showed that about 90, that about 8% of people that are shot with a firearm are actually uh, killed. Or actually, this might be from the article, I don't remember, but I've read different numbers on this. So survivability of a firearm attack, let's just call it that um, 92% survivability rate, okay? Knife attacks are a little bit higher than that, although I've seen numbers that show that knife attacks can actually be more deadly. But nonetheless, Greg's uh, research came out to 98.9% survival rate. So that's even better there, right? Um, almost half of the people that were shot were struck in the extremities. Now, again, if we look at if you're if somebody's trying to shoot center mass, and we throw all in in all the factors of uh, the adrenal dump, uh, a moving target, it's probably dark out. All of those factors, you throw them in there, and and that makes a lot of sense, right? That you're trying to shoot center mass and you're not hitting center mass. Same goes for you, but it also applies to the criminals as well. Okay. Now, 8% of the firearm assaults are lethal and knife attacks are only about 1.1% fatal. So that goes back to those numbers there, right? Um, so those would seem like, again, really good numbers as long as you're not one of the 8% or the 1.1% of the knife attacks, okay? So the based upon all of this research here, okay? So this is really what Greg's ultimate message here in his article was that too many instructors out there and too many police departments are trying to tell citizens not to fight back. Don't fight back. Comply with your attacker. And the numbers seem to somewhat support that, right? So chances are the person is not going to be armed. Chances are that even if they are armed, they're not going to be well armed. It's not going to be a very effective weapon. And if it is an, if it is an effective weapon, they're most likely not going to use it. And even if they do use it, you're most likely going to survive it. So why not fight back, right? In fact, Greg doesn't really tell you you should fight back, but just that it really needs to be your own decision there. And the the statistics somewhat tell us that, well, we're better off resisting. However, again, it's a real personal choice. And of course, it's scenario dependent, right? There's a whole lot of factors that go into that. But the real point that I want to dig into here and using some of his conclusions also is what can you do with these numbers? How does it affect your personal protection plan? How does it affect your training? So let me give you some insights here that, that I, carry, I came up with here, okay? So number one, is I think that you should comply with an attacker if it's something like a robbery. Now, obviously, if it's an ambush and somebody comes out and there's they start either shooting at you or hitting you or punching you or stabbing you, of course, you're not going to comply with that. You're going to resist. But let's say that there's a person in a parking lot that come up to you. You can't see what's in their in their hands. They have their hands in their pocket and they say, give me all of your money. 
I have a gun in my pocket or I have a knife. Um, give it to me or I will attack you, right? Well, comply with that attacker if it's a robber until it's a bigger threat, okay? So in other words, if you, if you were to give your money and all of a sudden the person says, now get in the trunk of my car, well, now it's time to fight back because it really wasn't about your wallet. So if the first thing, if you comply with them and that's not enough for them, that's when you wanna fight back, okay? The other thing is that you really should carry a firearm with you. So I know that this is really, again, a personal choice. So a lot of you out there either can't own a firearm or aren't ready to own a firearm, don't know how to use a firearm, don't want to use a firearm, whatever the reason is, you have to be able to fight back. And the best way to fight back is going to be with a firearm. If we look at the statistics of criminals, what, what kind of weapon they have and how effective it is, well, you know that your weapon is going to be a, a handgun, right? If you're if you're carrying concealed, you know that. Well, I'm going to hope that, right? It is it is well maintained. It's an effective weapon. It's not some cheap non-functional thing that you've got out there, and it certainly isn't some kind of toy that you carry around to try and bluff somebody. It's a real gun. It's a high-end gun. It is it is a um, it has the right ammunition in it. It has all the things that we talk about, right? So you have the right tool for the job and you have the training to back it up, all right? So you don't wanna rely on your knife. You don't wanna get into a knife fight as far as resisting. So in other words, if you do have to fight back, um, you don't wanna break out a knife and get into a knife fight with somebody with another knife, right? You just want, you want a better weapon in there and, and a firearm is going to be the best weapon that you're gonna be able to use. Now. If you do go ahead and comply, which I do recommend if it's like a robbery, you wanna use something of a decoy so that you can comply, but also force that criminal to show his next move. In other words, if you're gonna give over your, uh, your wallet, if he asks for your wallet, then when you hand it over, do you really wanna hand over like your license with your home address on it? Do you wanna give all that information out? Well, no, you don't. Um, so that's why I do recommend carrying a decoy wallet that is in the opposite side of where you typically carry your firearm. Now, if you're carrying appendix carry, um, you know, you can still do this with really with either of the, um, but well, I, I say you should always put it in your support side um, back pocket is what I tell people to do. Okay. So even if it's appendix carry that way, if you turn around, it's like, okay, look, I'm going from, I'm, I'm going to give you my wallet. Please don't pull the trigger. Or please don't hurt me or whatever. So that they can like, you basically just point your ass right at them and then pull out of uh, if I'm, I'm right-handed. So I keep my decoy wallet in my left side back pocket. So I can, I can pull that out and go ahead and give it to them. In fact, I can throw it to them, right? And then I can take off running. So even if it is a firearm, I might just haul ass away from there knowing that they're likely, if they, well, they're not likely to even use their weapon. And if they do use their weapon, they're not likely to hit me anyway, right? So I wanna take that decoy out. I wanna throw it at them. I wanna start running as fast as I can away from that. Now, it might be a situation where I can't run away. Okay, so maybe I have my child with me. Maybe I have my spouse with me. Maybe, you know, they're not they're not ready to just haul ass as soon as I say go. I'm not going to leave them behind. So, if I do pull it out and I give it to them and then they say, "Now get in the car or follow me or or um, you get I'm going to be in the back seat, you get in the front seat." Where you don't want to be taken to another location, all right? So, you use that decoy to force them to show what their next move is. If they take that decoy wallet and they start running off, and by the way, the decoy wallet, you have like an old, um, you don't even necessarily have to have a, a license in there because they're not going to really go through it all that much. But you can just have a few extra dollar bills in there and just stuff, you know, old credit cards or old uh, ATM cards that are no longer, 
your the same cards that you had you should always keep those things so that you have those for your decoy wallet okay so but that forces them also to show their next move okay the next thing i'll tell you to do is to train for extreme close quarters attacks before you're actually attacked so the time to figure out what your response plan is going to be or what your rules are for whether you're going to comply or whether you're going to resist the time to do that is not when you're actually confronted by a violent attacker you want to go through all of these right now and train for them so you know what your response is going to be you know how to use a decoy wallet you put one together actually so all of those things you need to understand that most of these attacks are going to happen in extreme close quarters it's not going to be your attacker from across the street 30 40 feet away that's going to say hey give me your wallet or else i'll pull out this knife and stab you or else i'll shoot you from 40 feet away i'm not worried about that attack i'm going to take off running right so criminals know to be able that they're going to have to get up on top of you to be able to intimidate you to be able to attack you if they're going to strike you they've got to be within range there okay so you need to train for extreme close quarters attacks before you're actually attacked all right that means understanding all the tactics that go with it all of the uh, you know how to fight in close quarters versus the typical you know people shooting from seven yards away down at the live fire range you all know how i feel about that right if i haven't made myself very clear um, most attacks are going to be in that close quarters range okay now the last thing i'll share with you here is that given all these numbers about how unlikely it is that your attacker is going to be armed how unlikely it is that they're going to have an, an effective weapon on them how unlikely it is that they're going to try and hurt you how unlikely it is that you're going to die from the attack despite all of that you kill you still can get get injured in an attack you still can die from an attack so you have to be prepared for the worst case scenario if the compliant doesn't work and you have to fight back and you're injured if you go ahead and resist if you decide yes i'm going to fight back and you're injured you have to be prepared for that and it always amazes me how many people out there that consider themselves protectors consider themselves trained in protection don't have something for a worst case scenario for being able to respond to an injury for that attack so you should be carrying some sort of a medical trauma kit and know how to use it and that would include something like a some sort of a pressure bandage or a quick clot type bandage um also a tourniquet that you can use if we just with one hand so that if they're if uh, if you're if it's just you out there that you're able to respond to your own injury because the survivability really comes down to also you getting medical attention and you could be unconscious you could be losing blood you might have to you might have to put that tourniquet on you might not even be able to call 911 so you might be there bleeding and you might be waiting for somebody to get into that parking lot to notice you and then call 911 so you need to be able to give yourself uh, self-care with some sort of a trauma kit or if somebody that you love is injured right there so you want to make sure that you do have some sort of medical trauma kit uh, we were coming out with one last year um, we did not like the design of it in, in fact uh, people that um, we initially had in the review group didn't like it we are working on our own medical trauma kit now but there are other ones out there I'm not I haven't found uh, anyone that I actually like out there which is why we're designing our own uh, but definitely have something on you that you're carrying around or have access to that you can take care of that worst case scenario okay all right so hopefully these numbers uh, actually help you and the tips I think again they're based upon real world attacks and real world probabilities but also real world consequences if uh if you do decide to to fight back all right again go check out greg's uh greg ellifritz's article over at active response training.com i'm going to go ahead and put a link in the 
show notes resources on the blog page here as well. So you can go ahead and check that out. There'll be a link over there. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.